A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses spoke to all the people, saying, A prophet like me will the Lord, your God, raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen. This is exactly what you requested of the Lord, your God, at Horeb, on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let us not again hear the voice of the Lord, our God, nor see his great fire anymore, lest we die. And the Lord said to me, This was well said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kin, and will put my words into his mouth. He shall tell them all that I command him. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. But if a prophet presumes to speak in my name an oracle that I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, he shall die. The word of the Lord. Our sung response. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. They came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the children can come down for a children's homily. How you doing? I've got something here. What is this? It's a star, and it says word on it. It says sheriff. This star is a sheriff's badge. So if I put the sheriff's badge on like that, guess what that means? I'm in charge. Are you in charge at your family? No. Hmm. Is that true? <laughs> You see, the sheriff used to be in charge of the town. Do you, you, do you like to watch cowboy movies? Sometimes I used to watch a lot of cowboy movies when I was your age. And there was a, it was a cowboy actor by the name of John Wayne. And he was in lots of cowboy movies. And he'd put a badge on like this, and he would always say something like this. You better watch it there, pilgrim. There's a new sheriff in town. 
he'd say it just like that. And everybody go, oh, we better do what he says because he's got the badge, he's got the gun, and he's huge, and he's John Wayne. See, the sheriff is a person who speaks with authority. He's been given authority by the law to tell people what they need to do or else he'll put them in jail. In today's gospel, people are shocked that Jesus is speaking with so much authority. He didn't even have a sheriff's badge. But yet, he spoke with great authority and everybody was surprised. But that's because Jesus is God, right? Jesus is our Lord and he has the authority to tell us what to do. And we should listen and obey him, shouldn't we? We should always do what Jesus tells us to do. That's right. All right, thanks. Hey, God bless you. You can go back to your family now. Let's start talking about that first reading. I told you we were going to talk about that. And Moses relates a time in the, in the history of Israel when they go to Mount Horeb. Now, that's a little confusing because it, the mountain it goes by several names. In some places in the scripture, it's called Mount Sinai. In other places, it's called Mount Horeb. In um, a lot of non-biblical texts, it's referred to as Mount Musa, the mountain of Moses. But this is where God spoke to the people. This is where God gave them the law. Now they come to the mountain, to Mount Horeb in this passage, and Moses knows that God is on the mountain. That's where he saw him in the burning bush, and he wants to take the people up to meet God so God can speak to them, so they can learn from God. But it's a scary place. There's fire, and there's lightning, and there's storm, and there's earthquakes. And the people are terrified. So the people say, Moses, why don't you go up and talk to God and then you come back and tell us what he says. And of course, that's what happened. Moses goes up to the mountain and he comes back with the Ten Commandments. He comes back with the beginning of the law. It, I'm not sure it was ever really God's plan to do things that way. I think even at this point, God would like to have embraced his people, had them all come to him, and he could have talked to them. But they were afraid, and so they held back. And so for 1,500 years, they are saddled with this law, trying to live by the law. But even Moses understands that the law is temporary. And in this passage, he points out that there is going to come a prophet. The prophet is going to come whose word, God's word is going to fill his mouth. He is going to speak with authority and tell them what the law means. He is going to explain everything to them so that they can live the life that God wants them to live. And of course, that prophet is Jesus. But those who lived under the law, it's one thing to be under the law, but we all know that when you live by the law, you're really under the lawyers, right? And so there were lots of lawyers in Israel, or they would call them rabbis, or in this particular passage, they're referred to as scribes. Scribes are not what we think of, people who like copy, not copyists. They are, they are lawyers. They're people who study the writings of Moses, the writings of the law. And they're also judges. They would pass judgment from time to time on on little local cases. Big cases went to the Sanhedrin where Jesus was tried, right? 
Well, these different rabbis and scribes, they all had opinions because you know how that works. When you have got a law, everybody's got an opinion of the law. Now, to give you an example, the, the, the writings of these scribes and rabbis is collected in a book called the Talmud. And the Talmud began a couple hundred years before uh, Jesus was born and, and continued for several centuries afterwards. And now it's kind of locked in place. And that's the central text of rabbinic Judaism to this day, the Talmud. So if you turn to the Talmud and you want to look up, say for instance, the roasting of the Passover lamb. Moses instructed everyone to sacrifice a Passover lamb at Passover and to roast it over fire, right? However, how exactly was that supposed to be done? Moses didn't say. So different rabbis, different scribes, they all had different opinions. And so if you read through the Talmud, the very first paragraph in the section of how to roast the Passover lamb says that you must roast the Passover lamb on a spit made of pomegranate, of the pomegranate tree. Well, the very second paragraph says, you must roast the Passover lamb on a spit made of iron. Well, the third paragraph says, don't be silly. You have to roast it over a wooden spit, but it must be the, uh, made from, the, from a fig tree. And this is the way the people were accustomed when they went to synagogue, is to have these different rabbis stand up and explain their opinions. And so in a big synagogue like at Capernaum, you might have four or five different rabbis. The first rabbi would stand up and explain his opinion of some point of the law. And the next rabbi would stand up and he'd explain his opinion on a point of the law. And so it would go until all the rabbis had their choice, their chance to explain their opinion about a certain point of the law. We see this come to play in the book of Acts. St. Paul on one of his missionary journeys walks into a synagogue and they say, oh, here's a rabbi from Jerusalem. And I know that because of the way he's dressed. How about you stand up and share something with us, expecting him to explain some, his opinion about some point of the law. But he stands up and starts talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And you see how they responded? They thought that was interesting. I said, well, come back next week and tell us some more about this. Because they felt no obligation to believe him or to start trusting in Jesus. They just thought this is a, this is a new opinion. But everybody, all the rabbis had opinions. No one had authority. Because Moses had pointed out that the only one who had authority was the prophet who was to come, whose mouth would be filled with the words of God, and everyone would have to do whatever he said. And that prophet, of course, was Jesus. So Jesus comes to the synagogue and he starts preaching and teaching with authority. And they're shocked. Now, in this particular passage, we don't know what it is that Jesus said, but I'm sure it was something very similar to that Sermon on the Mountain, the Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Because remember, Jesus is a traveling preacher. And so he's, for the first half of his ministry, he's going from town to town to town, giving pretty much the same message. It's the same sermon. That's why you have a version of it in Matthew and have a very similar version of it in the Gospel of Luke because he's going from place to place pretty much giving the same message because before radio and television, that's the way you had to do it. 
He had to go from place to place and give the same message. So Jesus is standing there and he is explaining the law. This is what the prophet's supposed to do, explain what the law means and how to follow the law. And so he stands up and says, the law says you shall not commit murder. But I say to you, now think about that. They've lived under the law for 1500 years and here's this, this rabbi from Nazareth and he's standing up and saying, but I say to you, as if he's, he's more important than the law, that he's, he's a bigger person than Moses. How can he do that? Where does this authority come from? And Jesus says, but I say to you, if you're angry with your brother, if you call your brother a moron, which is actually the literal Greek word, I think most, most translations say fool, but literally in Greek it's moron. If you call your brother a moron, you've committed murder. Because Jesus is teaching us that the law is not about making your obligations and your observances. The law has everything to do with your heart and with your attitude with your attitude towards God and with your attitude towards your neighbor. We're called to love God and to love our neighbor and we fail to do that. We've committed murder. Wow. Such authority. He is standing, he's calling himself greater than Moses because he can say, but I say to you, and he gives the true meaning of the law. And he speaks with so much authority, all the demons start to mess up. You ever notice the demons start acting out in, in the midst of already in synagogue. Eight demons are doing this and that, and, and Jesus takes authority over them. And so that's what happens in church every now and then. You know that how demons start acting up? In the, we don't see much of that anymore, do we? We don't see much of demons getting up and shouting in the middle of church. You know why? They're on vacation. They all went to the Caymans. I mean, demons used to be, I think, kind of active, but, but what happened is, is that, you know, 21st century Americans, we are so good at tempting ourselves or tempting one another, the demons didn't have any work left to do. So they all moved down to the, down to the Caymans and went on vacation. But some of them got cabin fever, you know, cabin fever is, you, or island fever, they call it. You're just kind of stuck on the island and no place to go, so you want to go someplace else. And they all moved to Southern California and they all got jobs in the entertainment industry. So if you ever wonder what happened to the demons you read about in the Bible, that's it. No, we don't think much about demons because we have this Hollywood concept of demons. But do you realize that any lie that we believe has the ability to destroy us? Any lie we believe has the ability to destroy us. And that's why it's so important that we know the truth. But where do we find the truth? We're not going to find the truth on the evening news, and you're not going to find the truth by going down to Clancy's bar and listening to everybody's opinion over a cold beer. We only find the truth in the person who is the truth. We find the truth in Jesus. For he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So if we want to know the truth, we must 
know Jesus. His truth sets us free. Anybody ever read the book In His Steps by Charles Sheldon? It's an old book. So far, I've been batting a thousand. No one at any mass has read the book In His Steps. It's actually an, an old book. It's written like in the 1930s. And it's kind of a difficult book to read. It's, it's very dated. But in this, in this story, it takes place in a little town. Some of these beautiful little, you know, carefree, everybody knows each other, there's never any trouble kind of towns. It's like Mayberry. I said that in the last mass, and everybody goes, huh, Mayberry? All right, so for those of you who are under the age of 50, <laughs> maybe under the age of 60, Mayberry was this idyllic town in a, in a TV show, it was the Andy Griffith Show. And Andy Griffith lived in that town, and you know what he was? He was the sheriff. <laughs> And so he was in charge of the town and he took care of the town. Well, that's it. In His Steps is written in a similar kind of town. Everybody's happy. But then one day something odd happened. A homeless person happened into the town. Now this particular man, interestingly, written in the 1930s, he was homeless because he had lost his job to technology. He had worked in some kind of a printing industry that became automated and he, was, he lost his job, lost his income, became homeless. And he was kind of like a hobo, I guess, and he wanders into this town. The people had never met a homeless person before. What do you do with a homeless person? So, someone in the town, I think it was the newspaper editor, not the preacher, interestingly, but someone in the town said, well, what would Jesus do? Interestingly, the book has been long forgotten, obviously, but, what, but the question has lived on a little beady bracelets that young people wear, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And so people in this town began to ask that question of, of themselves and of one another, and it began to revolutionize that town and how they treated each other, how the decisions they made, how they treated their families. What would Jesus do? It's a wonderful little story, but like I say, it's kind of dated if you read the book. But here's the problem with that question. We don't know what Jesus would do unless we immerse ourselves into his gospels, unless we immerse ourselves into the life and teaching ministry of Jesus. If we want to know what the truth is, we must take the effort to read, to study, to pray, to pour ourselves, to read about Jesus's life again and again, prayerfully going through it, applying it to our lives, asking questions when we get stumped, because some of the things Jesus says are come from an odd culture that we don't understand, but if only by studying what Jesus did can we have any clue as to how we should respond to the question, what would Jesus do? Jesus calls us to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. Walking with Christ means that we need to give God some of our mind to spend time reading and studying and praying so that we can, we can absorb 
Christ's life into ours. People say, well, I haven't read the Bible much, so where should I start? And I say, well, you read the Gospels. And when you get done with that, read the Gospels again. Because until you have absorbed the life of Jesus into your life, the rest of the Bible is not going to make sense because the whole Bible is about Jesus. And if you want to know more about that, watch the discovery class from a few weeks back. And at this point, I want to put in a, a short plug of my wife's book, Who is Jesus? It is her journey through the Gospels. Thinking about, if I were there, what would, what would that experience have been like? To have met Jesus, to have heard him preach the Sermon on the Mount, to have watched him heal the blind man, heal the leper. What would that experience be to me? What if I was a blind man or I was a leper? And I had that touch from Jesus. What would that be like? And as she goes through the Gospels, going through and imagining and allowing prayerfully the Holy Spirit to guide her imagination, she began to personalize her experience with Jesus. It is only in that kind of journey that we can surrender our mind to Jesus that we can actually submit to him because Jesus comes with the authority of the prophet to explain to us what God wants from us. But we have to read it. We have to study it. We have to devote ourselves to it. It's great that everybody comes to Mass on Sundays or watches through the, through the YouTube channel, and that's marvelous. But to incorporate the body of Christ into our own lives. We have to commit a little bit to that. We must give him our minds. And learn who Jesus was and what he did, what he saw, said, what he taught. And some of it's very counterintuitive. You look at the Sermon on the Mountain and Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Just look at the flowers. That's not how we normally approach things in life. But to take his words into us and to see what Jesus is speaking to us through his words, to personalize the Gospels, that is our call. See, we are called to serve God, to love God, to do what God desires from us, to listen to his authority. He is the authority, not our own opinions, not our own agendas. He is the authority. He's the new sheriff in town. And by listening to him, by making Jesus our Lord, our God, our authority, then we learn how to follow him, to do what he says, and when we come to that question, what would Jesus do? We can, have, we can know what that would be. For he is our God. We bear his name. We call ourselves Christians. Those who follow Christ. He is our God. And we are his people.